Support for this podcast comes from Social Talent. Social Talent is the training platform for hiring teams, giving you the knowledge and skills you need to find, hire and develop great talent. Designed for everyone involved in the hiring process, this market-leading platform provides training through a comprehensive library of video content delivered by the world's best hiring experts. Trusted by the likes of IBM, Intel and Siemens, Social Talent has trained over 80,000 people across 100 countries and 1,000 organisations. Last year alone, they enabled a million hires worldwide. Find out more at www.socialtalent.com. That's www.socialtalent.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 252 of the Recruiting Future podcast. As we continue to move through extremely troubled and confusing times, I decided it would be good to have an episode about happiness. My guest this week is Nick Marks, a statistician who specialises in happiness and well-being. In our conversation, we talk about the importance of happiness at work and how you can measure it. Nick also shares a lot of practical advice on how leaders can improve the happiness of their teams in our current challenging times. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Nick, and welcome to the podcast. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Uh, Yeah, Uh, I'm Nick Marks. I'm a statistician by trade, though I also trained as a psychotherapist when I was young. So I have this kind of odd mixture between sort of hard analytical skills and soft people skills. And I, most of my work has been about how you measure and improve people's well-being and latterly their happiness. Originally, I worked in public policy. So I worked with the Blair and Cameron governments in the UK about how they measured well-being. But in the last eight years, seven, eight years, I've been working about work and about how businesses can think about the well-being and happiness of their employees, how they can measure and improve it. So how do you go from being a statistician to specialising in happiness? How are those two things linked? I was always a very applied statistician. So I was interested in how, you know, like public health statistics and things like that at university. I was interested in systems thinking and about how you could model systems and how you could try and improve them. So I was always a very applied statistician. But As I said, I also trained as a therapist, which is kind of my quirky side when I was young. But over the years, they sort of became integrated. And I started to realize that there were ways of measuring people's experience of life instead of their standard of living. And and that just sort of took me on a sort of journey that moved me from being a quality of life statistician into a well-being and happiness one. And 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 really, the journey was that people like those statistics. In a sense, you, you go for ideas that resonate with people. And when I was working in the think tank world and we were putting out reports on well-being, they, they became very popular. And, and part of that reason was I think that well-being was very nebulous as an idea. And we were putting hard statistics to it and saying, you know, look, if government did this, it would improve well-being. And here's the evidence. So, um, so that's sort of kind of how it happened. So it's partly my personal interest. I'm, I'm a very people person. And I kind of think that at the end of the day, it's about experience of 
life that matters. Uh, so, so I wanted to measure it. We can go into more detail about how you measure it in a, in a second, but I want to ask a question that as I, as I think about it, it, it seems like a really obvious thing to say, but, but how important is happiness? You can get very philosophical about this. And in, in some ways, I think it's the stuff of life in that the way that I use the word happiness is that it's about people's lives going well. I sometimes say it's, it, it's uh, feeling good and doing well. There's a functional element to, to it in a, in a sense that, you know, there's the feeling of happiness, but there's a sort of happiness in knowing that you can cope. And so, you know, when you feel sort of you're confident and your abilities are good, you feel like you can deal with most situations. Of course, not every situation, but, but you, you know, you, you feel good in the world. And I, I think in the end, isn't that what it's about? I mean, it's positive mental health, if you want to think of it in that way. It's, um, and so for me, it, it's, it's very important. And of course, philosophers have argued for, for millennia um, about exactly what it is. And, and there's a sort of big split in the sort of debate about whether it's about pleasure or meaning I tend to be in the camp it's both you know that if you have a a pleasant life without meaning you tend to you tend to sort of feel it's not worthwhile or you know you go off the rails and um, get very hedonic and if you have meaning with no pleasure you're very dry and I think it's both I think the best life is when you when you when you feel there's there's pleasures and meaning so you, you can get very complicated in it but Ultimately, it's people's lives going well is how I think of it. And what about happiness in the workplace? Because it's it's something that, that that people talk about all the time. There's huge amounts of content out there about the importance of of happy employees and all those all those kind of things. What's your what's your take on that? So, at a very sort of broad level, that in the sense that happiness is when things are going well and people feel good, then there's masses of evidence that happier employees are better employees. They're better colleagues. You know, you, you don't really want to be a colleague with someone that's miserable or drain or angry. Um, you know, they're more loyal. They stay longer because obviously it eliminates a big reason why we leave a job. You know, we leave when we're unhappy. Um, they also more productive and particularly more creative that when people feel good, you know, Amy Edmondson will talk about psychological safety and others will talk about feeling that, that your manager is looking after you and supporting you, that, that, that those people are much more creative if you can, if you can fail, if you can uh, have new ideas. So, so when people feel confident and happy, those things are more likely to happen. Um, and so happy employees are great from that perspective. But then there's a problem people get into with sort of happiness at work is that, they, is that there's an image of it. It's sort of ping pong and beer or snooker or you know this is playful and there is an element of happiness which is very playful and laughter and enjoyment but it's not all of happiness it's not all happiness is really a sort of catch-all world for for all positive emotions from sort of quite quiet ones like contentment to enjoyment but also to sort of curiosity and interest and into sort of ones which help us reach for bigger goals like sort of awe and wonder and inspiration and that whole array, I think, is what we need in our teams. And so there should be some time for laughter. Laughter is the way that us humans bond, creates uh, you know, trust between people when you can share a joke and you can enjoy yourselves. But you know, it's probably only 5%, 10% of the day. You, know, you want a, a lot of the day, which is about people focused on their tasks. And so in the, in the sense that happiness is that array of positive emotions, then it's hugely, hugely functional. Um, but if it's just purely one of them, then um then it, it there are some 
negative uh, side effects of that. You talked about your time working in public policy and, and applying statistical thinking to well-being. How, how can people measure happiness in the workplace? There are a few ways that psychologists and statisticians measure happiness. So one of them is that they will observe people and see how much they smile or something like that. Another way is that they will um, ask them questions in surveys to reflect on their experience. Um, and even within the way of sort of surveying, there are different techniques of it. One is that you go for sort of an overall measure, which is sort of how happy are you generally in life sort of thing. And then another, which is the one that I favor, which is that you cut life up into chunks of time. So I ask people in in the work that we do, like how happy were you at work this week? And what I like about that is it gives you, uh, it, it allows for the space that people's experience of work ebbs and flows. You know, we have good weeks, we have bad weeks. And really the idea of having a good job is that you have more good weeks than bad weeks. And um, so in that sense, I, I like time bounding it that you sort of, it's strictly speaking called episodal measurement of, of happiness. Uh, and then you get a timeline which moves very quickly, which, um, you know, is very, very helpful in a fast moving world, you know, like we have at the moment. Talking about the world we're, we're living in at the moment, many of us have never seen more confusing and uncertain times as we're, as, as we're currently living, living, living through in 2020. And work is, is very disrupted. People are working from, from home. Employers are kind of restructuring the way that their, their businesses work. Happiness has obviously never been never been more important perhaps than it is than it is right now what can what can leaders be be doing to help their teams here i'm with you that i think that people's happiness their positive experience of work is, is never more important that you know it's very disorientated a lot of people will be working from home uh, for the first time or suddenly managing a remote team for the first time and there's so much communication that goes on in a office environment or an environment where you work together you know, in physical proximity that now with our so-called social distancing, which is an expression I hate, I think it should be physical distance because I don't think we should stop being social. <laughs> um, but, you know, but we now we have to be physically different. There's a lot of nuance that gets lost. You know, if you just communicate by email or instant messaging, you know, Teams, Slack, whatever it is you use, that whole tone to how we speak to each other the the pace even you know we, when we pace our words differently they come across differently and that's all lost so there's so much more opportunity to miscommunicate when you're not in the same room so um so i think that you have to go absolutely a long way to furthering the way that you communicate with each other um and that you know the the, the connection between people is very critical i mean the good thing at the moment is that there will be a whole sort of bedrock of trust in teams. Um, well, hopefully there will be. Um, I guess that it will it will it will also exaggerate, um, you know, uh, dis distrust in teams by moving apart. But if you assume that you had trust in your team, that will still be there. You know, people know each other because they've worked together closely. But just because they're distant for a few weeks, it it won't matter. But um, but the miscommunications one. So I mean, I think that using you know using video conferencing you know is is really great because you can still see people but the main thing is communicating very very regularly probably you know teams should be meeting every day and and talking and, and there should be some space in that for just chit chat you know in the sense there's so much sort of water cooler talk that goes on 
in organizations and and you don't want to lose that entirely because that's the that's the human relationship between people so i mean right now my team we all meet at 9am on a on a zoom call and and we just for the first 10 15 minutes just chat actually you know what did you do last night and did you see anything on you know netflix whatever you're watching or you know people have got their own personal stories about what their stresses are at the moment you know i've got some of my team with very young children at home I myself had, an, you know, my mother's quite elderly, I guess. I don't think it was elderly, but she is. She's 85. You know, she's not infirm, but, you know, we had to move her. And so everyone's got their stresses at the moment. I think it's really important to keep that humanity going. But, you know, then on top of that, there's, you know, actually helping people focus on their work. You know, people might not have been used to working from home, so they haven't got a routine for their for their way of working at home. They might not have a workstation that really works so, you know, there are all those technical uh, things about their time boundaries, about their physical, um, you know, their materials. And I think organizations that I've spoken to in the last couple of weeks have got the equipment stuff sorted. I don't think they've even started to think about the culture and morale element of it. And I think that is going to survive fine for a few weeks. And then it has the potential to tank uh, if we're not careful. Now, I know that you have a kind of a well-being framework that can kind of really help people with their with their happiness and, and and well-being could you tell us a bit more about that yeah so for for you know for, for looking after your teams at work we, we said there's really five uh main drivers of happiness at work um which is is based on a lot of research i've done over the last eight years you know doing lots of public service particularly with um uh, robert half actually the recruitment agency we did a big piece of work with them where we we surveyed i'm i'm now forgetting the exact number, but I think it was 22,000 people globally, certainly in the 20,000s. And um, and basically what we find is there are five big things. And the first one is connect, which is relationships, which is what I was kind of talking about then, which is that they're the bedrock of any t- good team experience. Um, the second one is be fair, which is that people, you know, really respond well to be treated with respect, uh, being appreciated, being talked to honestly in this environment. You know, lots of organizations are struggling need to have honest co- adult conversations with people people's work-life balance is in there too in the be fair the third one is to empower uh daniel pink would call this autonomy but it's about people being able to be themselves use their strengths shape and influence their work you know uh the third fourth one is to challenge people which is that it's a it's a misunderstanding to think that people are happy to sort of slack actually people really like stretch like learning new things what they want really is, you know, good feedback so they can learn and um, so that they, they feel that there's a good balance between their their skills and the challenges they face. You know, if they just a little bit of stretch is quite exciting. Um, too much stretch is, is, is stressful, of course. Um, and then fifth one is to inspire, which is that people really respond well if they feel their work's meaningful, they feel part of a bigger picture. So, you know, right now in this context, I think people want to be part of the the solution to what's going on here um, in, you know, in the broader, in the broader virus, you know, epidemic, you know, but, um, or pandemic, I think we have to call it now, um, you know, so, you know, what's your organization doing about that? How's it helping people? Um, it, you know, it, it's part of that, I think. So it's really those five things of, of connect, be fair, empower, challenge, inspire, and thinking how you can, you know, in your leadership of a team or an organization, um, how can you, how can you do that? And are you seeing any examples of companies doing doing that well at the moment? Yes, we've 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 got clients we're working with who 
have um, both um, a hospitality and a and a manufacturing side, and because their hospitality side has is effectively shut down, um, people aren't, aren't going. Out. But their production side is up because they're they're food foodstuffs. Um, they've they've taken their employees from their from their hospitality side and immediately reallocated them to production jobs where they can do. And so, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of flexibility like that. We've got another client that is also in a, they're a vitamin company and, and their, um, you know, their demand's gone up massively and they are really helping the teams, you know, uh, work in new shift patterns and in um, enabling people to work from home that need to, you know, uh, where, they, where they're not in the dispatch. And so I think you're seeing a lot of, a lot of flexibility and I think they're all based on really good communication actually and, and not ignoring things. I, I, not one of our clients, but you know, I, I, we, we have a, we, we, we have a space that we rent in a shared space and, and in total contrast, they've hardly communicated with us at all about what they're doing. And I just think that makes everyone feel very suspicious of, you know, people's motives and, um, you know, and I think right now it's about, you know, reaching out to others and seeing how you can help them. Um, and that includes your employees, it includes their, their families, uh, you know, and, and if, you know, we all, we're all going through this together. I mean, it's, that's the most extraordinary crisis. There's no one not touched by it. Um, so really how, how we, we help and we give to others, I think is going to be critical. And I think that the, the organizations that do that and try and look after their own and try and be honest with their own, um, are the ones that will, will come out of this stronger. Just to ask you kind of a very specific question about recruitment, the recruitment process, even at the best of times, can can be quite stressful for people in terms of of how it works and the poor quality of candidate experience that some that, that some organisations give. What's your advice to recruiters in terms of how they can create a fantastic experience and get the that's going to help them get the talent they need in their businesses? I think. I, I become quite fundamentalist about my work, which is probably not helpful in some ways. But but the viewpoint from it is is to think about those five ways into the into the role that you're recruiting for. So you know, you know how much has the team that you're recruiting this person into got good relationships? You know how how evenly and fairly are people treated? Um, how much do people get delegated to do the work they can do that then you know they're they're motivated and inspired to do the work they want to do so i i think it's good to think in 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 those terms and i definitely know from the other side that you know my advice to people who are going to job interviews is to is to ask people you know when they say have you got any questions is to say oh how happy is the team that i'm going into work with and and i think that's a that's a nicely disruptive question because sometimes people are recruiting to teams they know that aren't happy and it, it'd be difficult for them to to sort of bumble their way through that. So I, I think that, I think what I'm saying there really is that in a sense, and this is what, what, what I think all employers should try to do is you make a great uh, internal experience and it becomes much easier for the recruiters to, uh, to, to actually sell the business. You know, lots of people are looking to move jobs, you know, for a better experience. Yes. Money comes into it. Yes other factors come into career development but you know they basically want to work with good people and i think the more confident you feel about that 
and you're more confident, you feel that people enjoy working in your organization, the, you know, the bolder you can be about uh, attracting talent. A question about the future, which is which is which is difficult at the moment. It, 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 you know, it's very difficult at the moment to predict what the what the future will be like. But a new a new normal will no doubt emerge, and it will be something that employers and their and their employees will have to adapt to. What would your advice be to employers in terms of in, in terms of moving forward, in terms of how they think about happiness within their future organisations? Well, I think in some ways the near the near future is quite uncertain, but the long future, I think, is it, 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 I think we're accelerating towards it, actually. So I think I've been saying for ages, surely remote working will become more popular. I mean, this is going to be a huge kickstart into so many more people working remotely. I mean, whether those offices will ever fill up again in London in the way that they did, I, I don't know. You know, I, I doubt it. I think people will like working from home and organizations will learn that they can trust people to deliver. Of course, there's, there's, there's boundaries. Of course, there's feedback and 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 you know and, and ways to to manage remote teams which are differently than, than managing people internally but you know getting rid of the commute the commute is the least happy part of the day for most people you know so there's huge benefits to be found in that so i think we're obviously going to see a massive acceleration towards that. and of course it's a huge uh, drop of cost for the organization so it's in their favor if they don't have to have so much expensive real estate so that would seem to be coming more and ai isn't going away and the idea that we're going to have you know um machine learning that uh the tasks that can be done by by uh by machines is, is still going to increase uh, still going to increase so but all of those, I think, are about experience because what what machine learning can't do and AI can't do is it can't um, it hasn't they have no emotion. So there's there's going to be very limited ability to be creative from AI, um, and so they they'd be good at repeat tasks, getting them out of it. But that actually leaves even more space for 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 humans to to add to the workplace. So um, which is you know which is basically our creativity, our emotionality, our our, our aesthetic. Uh, our, our ability to care, you know, in the sense that, you know, face to face, face to face roles are always going to be better with people. You don't really particularly want to go to a, a screen to, to do everything. Maybe for some simple things you do, but, but, um, so, so I, those long term trends aren't doing, and I've said consistently, really, I think that, that people's experience of work is what, what's going to be needed in the sense that that creativity, that innovation comes out from feeling psychologically safe and feeling happy in your team. So in that sense, I don't think it changes. I think we're going to accelerate towards that with remote working massively. Um, and I think that the other change we have is that, you know, um, I, I don't like using the term millennials, but they're going to have just used it. But younger people, are, I think, have grown up in a more experienced based economy where they're thinking more about how much they uh, like their jobs not necessarily the sort of career professions that someone myself you know in my 50s where where which we did and certainly my father's generation you know did so there are those changes coming where i think people are more thinking that we we we, we there is a slightly bit there's a bit more job hop, hopping but not you know, there's much as much as that's come from the other side of employers making people redundant and therefore people feeling that psychological contract between the employer and the employee is not uh, resilient to shocks. You know, you know, ever since the 2008 financial crash where, 
you know, so many people lost their jobs. And of course, we're just coming into that again now, but for very different reasons. But um, people lost confidence their employers were going to look after them. And so people became a little bit more, well, okay, what's in it for me? And experience is there. So my opinion is that people's experience of work will only become more important that people and that people, the way we naturally rate our experiences is to say how happy we are. But included in that, as I said, is partly how much we enjoy it, partly how much we feel we're growing and developing. We've got meaning in our jobs. So those two things are, are, are coming through. Um, and, and I can only see that getting more. Um, so I think people, people's happiness will, will matter more and more as we go for, forward. So final question, where, where can people find, find you and find out more about your work? Yeah, so, um, so my business is called Friday Pulse. And the reason we're called Friday Pulse is that, as I said, I'm interested in measuring weekly. So every Friday, we ask people um, how, they work, how they felt at work this week, you know, from uh, very unhappy to happy. Uh, we also collect feedback from teams. And so our website is fridaypulse.com. Uh, and, and that's where we do our work. I'm also, I mean, uh, some people call me a thought leader. I just think that means I thought about one thing for a long time. Um, but uh, I have my own personal website, which is nickmarks.org. Um, and that's Nick without a K and I see. Um, and just at the moment in this, um, you know, in this crisis, we, like many other organizations that are reaching out thinking, what can we do? Um, we've decided we'd offer free access to the Friday Pulse platform for any small, medium sized organization for the, you know, for their first, um, three months of using it so that they can try and ride out this crisis and, and look after their employees experiences. We're all quite disorientated and, uh, it's a way of checking in on how people are feeling every week. And in organizations that sort of, it's going to be so spotty how, you know, it's so, so mixed and variable how people are coping with working with remote teams. And it allows, you know, senior and HR leaders to have an overview of how every team is feeling every week and they can work out where things are going wrong very quickly, which in this extraordinarily rapidly moving world is, um, is, is I, I think what we need. And I, I, I believe that Friday Pulse is the only tool that creates that weekly measure of people's experience uh, anywhere in the world. So, yeah. Nick, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks so much indeed. My thanks to Nick Marks. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. You can also follow the show on Instagram. Please search for Recruiting Future to find us. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also listen to the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.